have your Bibles, look with me if you went to the Gospel of Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke chapter 24 is where we're going to be this morning. You know, I have had the privilege of being in the Holy Land, in Jerusalem, now about five times, six times I'll be going back in January of this next year. But each of the times that I've been in the Holy Land, I have gone to the garden tomb, and I can tell you this today, it's still empty. There's this sign above the door that says, he is not here, he is risen. And that's why we gather to celebrate this morning. You know, the pain that Jesus endured through betrayal, rejection, and being crucified was turned again as he arose triumphant over the grave. And today, his pain is for your gain, and his victory can be your victory. Is that not great news this morning? How many of you are grateful that Jesus endured the pain of the process that we might have the gain that we're experiencing today? I assume everyone online in the room is, is raising your hand. Yeah, we have reason to celebrate. And what happened with the resurrection as Jesus arose victorious on the third day was a turnaround event. Now, it's not just an event that happened. It did happen 2,000 years ago. But here's the great news for us. The turnaround of the resurrection still bringing turnaround today. Still changing people's lives. Scripts are still being flipped today because of the power of the resurrection. It was more than an event that happened. It was something that happened that still happening today. You now we have a, a family here in our Grace Covenant family, the Eisenhower family, Matt and Lindsay. Um, you see the picture on the screen. When uh, their youngest daughter, Juliana, was four, Juliana's the young girl in the, with the yellow t-shirt, the yellow shirt. She was having some health complications, dizziness, headaches, and so they thought, well, we should get her to the doctor just a little checkup, uh, find out what the problem is. And they, for them, they thought it was just going to be a routine checkup. The next day after seeing the doctor, they got the call and they heard the news that no parent ever wants to hear. Their four-year-old daughter was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And that led to a brain surgery to remove the brain tumor. Then the Eisenhower family traveled to Memphis, Tennessee, to St. Jude's Hospital, where Juliana went, underwent like six weeks of radiation, chemo, in the process. And about three months ago, there was a routine body scan, and they discovered a lesion that was in her spine, which required another surgery. So even in this moment today, the Eisenhower family's back at St. Jude's in Memphis undergoing further treatment. Now, as a parent, for those of you who are parents, the words that you never want to hear concerning your children is that there's cancer or there's some, there's some illness that they would have to walk through. Well, during this time, I'll tell you this story because during this time, I have had the opportunity on several occasions to sit, have lunch, have breakfast, meet in my office with the dad, Matt. And in our conversations, my goal was to bring encouragement, to bring hope, obviously to pray with him. But in the numerous times that we've met, Matt, as the dad, said again and again, I wish I could take her place. I wish I could bear her pain. Now, any parent would say that, right? Matter of fact, you maybe have said that before for your own children when they were sick. I wish I could, I wish I could take your place. Well, obviously we can't. But friends, here's the great news this morning. That's exactly what Jesus Christ did for you and I. 
He took our pain that we might have gain. He took our place. He bore the penalty of your sin, of my sin. He took on the condemnation that we deserve that we might be declared innocent. And the whole crucifixion process brought about Jesus' death, but here's the good news. His death was not final. He was resurrected to life on the third day. You know, with the resurrection, God flipped the script and he turned the horrible event of the crucifixion of Christ into a victorious celebration of life. Listen, it was a turnaround moment. You think about this. Disappointment was turned to discovery. Defeat was turned to celebration. Hopelessness was turned to great hope. And death was turned to life. Pastor Tim Keller, one of my favorite pastors and authors, states it like this. He says, the gospel is the ultimate story that shows victory coming out of defeat, strength coming out of weakness, life coming out of death, and rescue from abandonment. In the pain of the crucifixion for Jesus and the pain of, this, of the disappointment of the disciples was turned to gain as, as Jesus arose victorious over death, hell, and the grave. As we look to the crucifixion story, as recorded in scripture, what we discover is that the word of Jesus' death had gotten back to the religious leaders and to Pilate. In other words, the crucifixion process has accomplished its goal and that Jesus was, was dead. The, the religious leaders were pretty excited about this because the one who had posed as a threat to them, to their power, to their position, was now eliminated. But they had one last concern, and this was their concern. They said, they went to Pilate, and said, hey, Pilate, Jesus said, like before he was crucified, he said that on the third day he was going to be raised. Now, what we don't want to happen, like this would even create a worse situation, we don't want the disciples to come and steal his body and, and fake a resurrection. So we have one last request of you, Pilate. Would you send some guards? Would you send some soldiers out to the tomb to guard the tomb so the disciples can't come and steal away the body of Jesus. And I love what Pilate said. He said, take a guard, a group of soldiers, and make the tomb as secure as you know how. In other words, he's saying, this is impossible. You can give it a try. They send out the soldiers. So they posted the soldiers and sealed the tomb, but their efforts were not successful. For death, nor soldiers, nor, nor no strategy of man was going to keep Jesus in the grave. So let's pick up the story as recorded in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. I want to begin with, with verse 1. So on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and they went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of Jesus. Interesting. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. Obviously, with angels. Verse five, in their fright, the women bowed down and bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the son of man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. And the angels that appeared to the women who had gone to the tomb asked a great question. Here's the question. Why do you look for the living among the dead? A graveyard is a place of death, is it not? Yet that place of death had become a place of life. It was another turnaround 
and the resurrection story. And following Jesus' death, we see several things happening. First, we, we see that the religious leaders were confident that they had won. Through their conniving and power play, they thought they'd eliminated their problem being Jesus. They had Pilate to do their dirty work, to have Jesus crucified. And now the one who had confronted their hypocrisy, the one who had challenged their very process of how they lived their lives was gone, eliminated. They thought, they thought it was over. And then we have the disciples. In this story, I think the disciples were like paralyzed with disappointment. They'd left everything to follow Jesus. They had heard his teachings. They had seen the miracles that he had done. They were confident. They were certain that he was the Messiah. Now he's dead. As his lifeless body was laid in the tomb, their hopes and dreams were, dis- were demolished. What would they do now? What should they do now? I think they were struggling with the disappointment of the moment. And then we have the female followers of Jesus who, as we see in the stories recorded in Luke, they embraced the process of Jesus' death. Now, obviously, they were wrecked with grief, but someone had to be responsible to care for the body of Jesus. Therefore, they gathered some burial spices to anoint Jesus' body. And as the women went to the tomb. They went expecting to find death, but instead they found life. Their pain was turned to gain as they received the news that Jesus had risen from the dead. And they quickly went and told the disciples, like, hey, we got this news from the angels. Like, Jesus is no longer dead. Their grief had been, like, turned around. Again, the script was flipped. And what they discovered is that his pain, Jesus' pain, was for our gain. And what was a turnaround event for Jesus from death to life has become a turnaround opportunity for everyone in the room today, for everyone watching online. Because Jesus was willing to endure the pain of the cross, the crucifixion, and because of the power of the resurrection today, our lives and our future can be ever changed, be forever changed. Again, turnaround. Let me share with you how Jesus' pain has become air gain. Five statements. I want to give these to you really quick. The first is this. Jesus bore the pain of rejection that we might be accepted. And Jesus was rejected by his own people. I mean, think about that. Rejected by his own people as they chose a known criminal, a murderer, by the name of Barabbas. They chose him over Jesus. And then Pilate asked this question, what shall I do with the one you call king of the Jews? And the crowd cried out, crucify him. Again, the crowd being his own people. They were Jewish people. And with that, they rejected Jesus. But the pain of Jesus' rejection has opened the way that we today might be accepted. Listen to how 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 reads. It says, but you are a chosen people, and God chose you. He wanted you to be a part of his family. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So today, Today, friends, you don't have to have like this special heritage. You don't have to have a special talent or certain certain status. You don't have to be good enough, clean enough, or fixed up enough 
And Christ, Christ was rejected that you might be accepted, that you might be you might be chosen. Now, this might surprise some of you this morning, but when I was in school, I was not the sports jock. <laughs> Probably takes some of you by surprise, doesn't it? <laughs> Especially in middle school. When I, when I was in middle school, I was chubby and clumsy. I mean, you know, chubby and clumsy doesn't, like, make you the sports jock. So probably most of you are familiar with the process that happens. You know, sometime in the school day, there's recess. And recess, it's like you play sports. And when you play sports, somebody gets to pick the teams. And I never got to pick the teams because I was not the sports job. Matter of fact, most of the time, like if it was basketball, you could only have so many people on the court. Most of the time, I got to watch instead of play because I was chubby and clumsy. I was not chosen, not accepted felt rejected. Now here's the good news for us today is that Christ bore the pain of rejection that you and I might be chosen. Isn't that good news? That we might be, that we might be accepted. Jesus also bore the pain of separation from the Father that we might be reconciled to the Father. Now, this is hard for us to get our minds around, but before there was time, like before the book of Genesis, before the creation of the world, get this, Jesus and the Father were one. United as one. But as Jesus took on the sin of the world, as he died on the cross, there was separation from the Father. Because God is holy, he cannot embrace sin. He cannot look upon on sin. And when Jesus took on the sin of humanity, when Jesus took on your sin and my sin, there was a separation. Matter of fact, there was a point as Jesus was hanging on the cross that he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was a painful moment that Jesus endured that we might be reconciled. He was separated that we might be reconciled to the Father. Now, to be reconciled simply means to bring together that which had been separated. And we were separated from God because of sin. There's this sin problem that created this separation. So Jesus came what to reconcile that which was separated. You know, as, as often happens today in our culture when a husband and wife are having problems, I get to deal with this quite often, when they're having problems, at times they make the choice to separate. Now hopefully they get some help to resolve the problem so that they can come back together united as husband and wife. And when that happens, when husband and wife have been separated and they come back together, what do we call that? Reconciliation. What they are now reconciled. That which was separated has been reconciled. It's, it's been brought together. And that's what Christ did for us. He experienced the pain of separation that we might be Reconciled to the Father. Well, listen to how the Apostle Paul states this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 and 18. The scripture says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. All of this is from God. Get this, who reconciled, there's the word, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And now he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. What a turnaround. From being separated to being reconciled. Jesus also bore the pain of condemnation that we might be justified. 
Jesus suffered unjustly at the hands of, of men from the time of his rest to the time of his crucifixion. Although he was innocent, he was condemned to die a sinner's death. And don't miss this this morning, friends. He did it for you. He did it for me. It was the innocent that died for the guilty. Jesus was condemned that we might be acquitted. He suffered death that we might be justified. Romans chapter 4, verse 25 says he was delivered, being Jesus, he was delivered over to death for our sins and he was raised to life, get this, for our justification that we might be justified. So Jesus, again, who was innocent, who was without sin, who was without blame, took on our guilt. The innocent one condemned that today we might be justified. Here's an interesting way to think of justified. Just as if I'd never sinned. He through Christ, you and I today have the blessing and the privilege of being declared righteous. Now, how many of you know you're not righteous? Go ahead, raise your hand at least for your neighbor. There's a lot of words that someone might use to describe me, but righteous is not one of them. But here, here's the deal. Because Christ was condemned today, I have the blessing and the privilege of being declared righteous. Wow. You have the privilege of being declared righteous, right, right with God. Jesus also or the pain of death that we might have life. Yeah, the crucifixion process was, was horrible, excruciating. Like, I don't have words in my vocabulary this morning to give proper definition to the process, the physical process of, of crucifixion. But Jesus endured this pain that took his life so today that we might have life. I mean, think of it like this. It was the great transfer. His death for your life. I mean, we got the better end of the deal. His death for your life. Today, because of Jesus' death and resurrection, we have the blessing and the privilege of abundant life in the present and the promise of eternal life in the future. Jesus said it like this out of his conversation with Nicodemus in John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whosoever would believe in him would have, get this, eternal life. His death for your life. The scripture goes on to say that, that God didn't send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but the, that the world through him might be saved. Today, life is available, but may we never forget, it came at a great cost. Jesus died, and we might have life. But every person, every single person in this room, every single person watching online, you have a choice to make. Are you going to receive the life? Are you going to embrace the life? Lastly, Jesus defeated death and rose victorious that we might have this, that we might have hope. The resurrection brings what? It brings hope. Hope for us, hope for our world. 
The late Emil Bruner once said, what oxygen is for lungs, such is hope for the meaning of human life. See, as our bodies are dependent upon a supply of oxygen, so humanity is dependent upon a supply of hope. And Jesus gives us that hope. It's hope, hope that energizes life. There's hope that sins and mistakes can be forgiven. There's hope that we can have joy, peace, assurance, and security in the despair of this age. There's hope in knowing this, that Jesus is working for our good. And there's hope, there's hope in this. When this life is over, and we get to graduate to heaven, listen, the best is yet to come. That's the hope we have because of the resurrection. That hope is real. And hope is alive because Jesus is alive. And that hope can be yours. Romans chapter 15, verse 13 says, may the God of hope. Notice he he doesn't just give hope. He is the God of hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, as you put your faith in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And praise God for the hope we can live with every day because of Jesus' death and his resurrection to life. The Apostle Paul summarizes it well in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 54 and 57. He says, death has been swallowed up in victory. What's resurrection? It's victory. What happened some 2,000 years ago as Jesus came out of the grave. What is victory? Death has been swallowed up in victory. Paul goes on to say, thanks be to God. He gives us. It's not just victory, but it's victory that can be yours. He gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hear me, friends. Jesus' victory can be your victory. If, and here's the big if, if you believe that Jesus was the Son of God crucified and resurrected, if you believe that his pain was for your gain. And if you take the next step, if you receive his provision, being this, the forgiveness of your sins. Think about this, slate wiped clean, declared righteous. Again, not because of how good you are, not because of what you've earned, but because of the provision of Christ. And if you choose to be a follower of Jesus. See, Jesus has provided the way to victory and to life, but for every individual, you have to receive Christ's provision. You have to choose to follow him. You know, just as the resurrection was a turnaround event from death to life, so Jesus can bring a turnaround in your life. That's the good news today. Jesus is also the one who can take situations that you're facing, maybe problems that you're trying to navigate through. And he can turn them around. Hey, that's what we celebrate today. Jesus is about turning lives around, turning situations around. I, I want you to listen to this song that the worship team's going to sing. And I want you to listen to the stories that are told of how Jesus turned it around.
in my early 20s, started attending college, um, was in need of acceptance. I was super empty, super far away from God. I was lonely and I just needed any sort of attention I could get. Got into alcohol, drugs, going to every party I could possibly go to and eventually found myself dropping out of school. Last year I nearly died from COVID. Spent 40 days in a medically induced coma, 58 days in the hospital. No one thought I was gonna make it. 15 years ago in February, we um, had the loss of a lifetime. We lost a grandchild. She was 10 years old. I was, I was laying in bed in, in a hotel room in Atlanta and my, my cell phone rang uh, 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning. Who's calling them? Uh-oh, something's wrong. Laurel's calling me. As it turned out, it was, it was our son. And he was yelling on the phone, Dad, she's dead, she's dead. He says, Megan, she's gone. He's gone. He says, Where, where'd she go? Dad, she's dead. She's dead. God took her from me. And I'm thinking, what? I'm praying God come and turn this thing around. Oh, God, turn it around. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. I'm calling on the name. Changes everything. Oh, God, turn it around. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. All of my hope is in the name, the name of Jesus. Breakthrough will come, come in the name, the name of Jesus. Megan died in February, and in September, um, there was a class that was offered, and um, it was called Grief Share, and I went to the class thinking... And I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. I thinking I that, that I need that, that I needed that class, and about three classes in, Dave said, I think I need that class, and he joined me in the Grief Share program. Yeah, and I think the, the first thing anybody has to do, whatever the situation is, you've got to get rid of the anger. Yes first. Yes. The anger towards whomever Whatever. caused the transgression, anger towards God if that's the situation right. that you're in. The realization of the path that I could walk was put before me and the path was I could go down the deep dark path that was walking this way or I could I could honestly say I'm going to follow you Jesus and I could take the path up the hill. During all this time I was in the coma. I was totally unaware of what was going on around me. It was such a dark time for me and for, and for our kids. The only one I could leave on was God. There were a few people um, that decided they wanted to get um, a prayer time outside of the hospital. Um, and, and they met on the lawn of the hospital and just prayed and worshiped. And it was just, it was an amazing, powerful time. Um, and I really do believe that that started the turnaround in him, that things just started happening. Shortly after I met my wife, Christina, um, and she really pressed on me to 
reconnect with God. And through reconnecting with God, starting to go to church again, I really started to discover who I was in Him. And shortly after, we both got baptized together. All my life, I had wanted to be a creative. I wanted to be an artist. And I had literally given up on it. I figured it was nothing I was ever going to get to do. I closed the door. But recently, God opened that door, and now I'm a creative, getting to do what I love to do here at this church. family, God turned it around because of all that I went through. Now me and my family attend church here together and my kids are growing up with God walking along beside them, like stronger than I've ever been. So that when situations like I went through come up, they may never have to go through that. I'm honored that I'm called frequently to, um, to help someone through a really hard time. And um, it, it's, it's what I love to do. So the ministry to me is a full-time thing that I never, I never walk away from. I'm, I'm constantly um, there for anybody who might need it. Never give up. Always rely on your friends and your community. And God will work in mysterious ways.
turned it around. God turned it around for both of us. God turned it around, and He can turn it around for you too. I'm going to ask if you would be seated just for a minute. This is what the resurrection is for us today. It's turnaround. It's the power of the risen Christ available to turn your life around, to turn a situation around. See, Christ endured the pain for your gain, for your salvation, for your life and your future. I'm going to ask if you would bow your heads with me just for a moment. Lord Jesus, we're grateful today that you endured the pain of rejection, abandonment, the crucifixion process for us. You, the innocent one, took on our guilt that we might have life, that we might have joy, that we might have peace, that we might have hope, that we might have abundant life and eternal life. We're grateful that the cross was not the final word, but you got up on the third day. We celebrate that turnaround from death to life. And today we open our lives to your turnaround for our lives. With every head bowed, eye closed, possibly you're here today and you would say, I need to turn around. I've been, do- I've been going my own way, doing my own thing, and it's not been working out so well for me. Maybe for those watching online, you would say, I need to turn around. Today, I want to embrace Christ's provision. Today, I want to move from death to life. And you say, death, the scripture says that Without Christ, you're spiritually dead. But he came that we might have life and life abundantly. That life can be yours today. As you simply embrace Christ's provision, his victory can be your victory. So in the balcony of the main floor, is there anyone here today or anyone watching online who would say, Farrell, I need need to turn around today. Today I want to embrace Christ. Christ's forgiveness, his grace. I want to receive him as my Savior. I've never done that before, but today, today, I, I want that in my life. Turn around. Is there anyone who would just raise your hand and say, Beryl, that's me. I see that hand. Yeah, four hands here in this section. In the balcony, I see that hand. Anyone else? Yeah, here to my right. Maybe six, seven individuals. For those individuals, for everyone here today, for those watching online, if you're making a decision for Christ today, just uh, there's a place there that you can check the box so that we can follow up with you. But for those here today, would you pray this prayer with me? Let's just pray this together. Lord Jesus. Thank you for giving your life that I might have life. Today, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I invite you into my heart. 
to be my Lord and Savior. It's my desire to follow you all the days of my life. Amen. Everyone looking at me, one last question I have for you today. Not only does Jesus turn around lives from death to life, but as you heard in the stories, Jesus turned situations around. It's in his power working in your life. Now maybe you're somewhere in a situation today, you're facing something that's like bigger than life. There's a mountain before you. And you're saying, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to address this challenge, this problem. Physical, financial, relational, whatever it might be. If you would just say, there's a situation in my life today that I need Jesus to turn around. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. I just want to pray for you as we conclude today. There's a situation in my life that I need Jesus to turn around. So Jesus said, John 16, 33, he said, in this world you will have trouble. But here's the great news. We don't have to face the trouble alone. Jesus can turn situations around. For those standing today, let me tell you, absolutely nothing is impossible with the God we serve. Listen, if he can raise Jesus from the dead after being in the grave for three days, how many of you know he can turn your situation around? Don't you give in and don't you give up. Don't back up contend our God is the turnaround God. Amen. Lord, I pray for those who are standing in the balcony on the main floor, those who are watching online who may be standing. God, I ask that you bring your resurrection power right in the middle of their situation and you turn it around. Lord, what I know is for for some, you're going to deliver them out of that situation. For some, you're going to come and walk with them through it. But Lord, I thank you for how you're going to manifest your power, your provision, the resurrection power in their lives and in that situation. Lord, we agree for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 